When God created the lofty mountains, the oceans teeming with life, the planets, and the galaxies, God also thought the world needed one of you. What did you do today to better the world? Big or small, we would love to hear from you. Email Kathy with a K at highfm.com. Share your story. Inspire others. Change the world. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and a very good afternoon to you. It's wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. It is Wednesday. It is a beautiful day here in the Highfield as usual. And great to be together with you on Judaism 101.9. Yes, this is Rabbi Michael Katz and coming to you live as we are here from Joburg this afternoon. Um, and it is, of course, a couple of days before that beautiful Chag, the beautiful festival of Purim. And of course, everybody is thinking back and thinking to Purim last year, where we all are saying, of course, Purim last year, would we have known or did we know what kind of a year we would have that lay ahead? Purim last year was kind of the start of this whole pandemic. And uh, it was just a few days later that we closed the shuls and there was the lockdown, etc., etc., etc. And of course, that hangs quite heavily over our heads as we head into Purim this year. And we need to, of course, be very, very careful with everything, making sure that we are in no way um, negating the pandemic and in no way doing things in a way whereby we are taking risks, taking chances, uh, being a little bit reckless uh, with our own lives and, needless to say, with the lives of others. So to begin with, just a word of caution. Purim is Purim. Of course it is. And Purim has certain um, boundless kind of uh, simcha and energy and so on that uh, any other festival does not have. This is the time where literally, as they would possibly say in the classics, where you can let down, let your hair down and go mad. Not this year. You want to do that, please, by all means, but do it in private. Don't involve other people and don't um, breathe on other people. Don't touch other people. Don't be involved with other people, not because of you, but because of them and because of the possibilities of um, spreading the pandemic and, uh, and God forbid um, that we should be involved through our need to celebrate and our want to celebrate that we should be involved in any way, God forbid, in increasing the issues, the problems, the difficulties, the sadness um, that has uh, surrounded us for the duration of this entire year. And, of course, that we've got to be very cognizant of the fact that there could possibly be another spike in um, all of these terrible infections, and we know how costly they have been and they could be. Let's ensure that we are responsible absolutely responsible with everything that we do over this Purim. But having said that, Purim needs to be celebrated, and it needs to be celebrated properly. And we're going to go through today the ways that Purim can be and should be celebrated properly. Absolutely, we're not going to miss out one beat of what Purim is about. 
The only thing is we're going to be responsible. We're going to do it in the, the most responsible fashion. We're going to behave ourselves as uh, responsible Jews caring for the lives of others. We're not going to be reckless. We are going to be absolutely uh, committed to making sure that this Purim is a Purim that is filled with Simcha. And Simcha means that not only do you want to be happy, but the real happiness comes when you can help to make others happy. And you're certainly not going to make them happy if, God forbid, we're involved in spreading a pandemic, making them sick. So let's spread out our uh, Purim celebrations this year to make sure that everything is done in the letter of the Jewish law, as well as in the letter of civil law, as well as making absolutely sure that we are keeping to the wise counsel and advice of our medical experts, of uh, the people who really have a handle on uh, what this pandemic is all about and ensuring that our behavior over Purim is absolutely responsible from a, uh, a, a, a social point of view and from a medical point of view and, of course, from a halachic point of view as well. Let's begin with the day before Purim. So tomorrow is Tainet Esther. Tainet Esther. It is the fast of Esther. Now, why do we commemorate the fast of Esther? Well, if we look back in the Purim Megillah, in the Purim story, we know, and we're going to read it over Purim, we know that um, Esther and Mordechai made a fast. There was a fast. In fact, they fasted for three days. We're lucky we only have to fast for one. And there was this fast that they made in order to recognize and realize that when there is, God forbid, a decree from above, as there was in the time of the Megillah, and as we know we're suffering from at the moment, when there's a decree from above, there is something that we've got to do down below to influence the above. We've got to do something spiritual. This is a sign that there is something that needs rectification, whether it's in terms of our adherence to our Torah and mitzvot, whether it is in our um, spiritual uh, beings, whether it's in our uh, <laughs> refraining from Losh and Hora, from talking ill of others, whether it's the fact that we're not doing enough goodness and kindness in this whole world, that perhaps there's wanton hatred and there's unnecessary judgment and, 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 and then some. When we think of all of those things, we know that there is work to be done. And Mordechai and Esther viewed this in exactly that light. If Haman is making a decree against the Jewish people, and there is this terrible decree to wipe the Jewish people from off the face of the earth, God forbid that was Haman's decree and Achashverosh who rubber-stamped it and placed it into law, we know they declared that this is all something that comes from above. And there is something spiritual, there is something godly that we need to do. We need to bring our people into Kedusha, into holiness. We need to bring them into the holiness that um, will ensure that things can be fixed, that can, things can be rectified. And the first and foremost thing that they declared was a fast day. Why? Because fast days bring people to tshuva. They bring us to repentance. Yes, of course, we relate to the best of all the fast days, Yom Kippur, which is designed to make people feel and know that it's a time of repentance, it's a time of return, it's a time of apology, and all of those things. So now, similarly, on all our fast days, this is the refrain, this is the um, the framework within which we place ourselves on a fast day. We don't eat, we don't drink, and we place ourselves in that realm of fasting so that we can motivate a sense of tshuva, 
of repentance and so that we can help to defer any terrible decrees and wipe them out, uh, please God, get rid of those terrible decrees as they did in the time of Haman and Mordechai and Esther and Ahasuerus. So this is what we've got to do. We fast, and we fast tomorrow from the morning until the evening. In fact, the fast begins in Johannesburg at 4.49 a.m. 4.49 a.m. tomorrow morning is the last time that you could eat or drink until uh, the evening. And the fast ends shortly after 7 o'clock, but it is traditional, if we can, to try and wait for the Megillah reading um, and to hear the Megillah still while we're fasting and only to break our fast after that. Just if you are planning to get up early in the morning to uh, eat or drink, you've got to remember, as with all fasts, when that is permitted, one needs to make sure that you have made a, a you've, you've actually made a, a, an absolute commitment that you're going to do that in the morning, because otherwise it is deemed as though you've taken the fast upon yourself just when you lie down to sleep, even if that's 10, 11 o'clock tonight or so on, and you have already taken in the fast. So 4.49 tomorrow morning, beginning of fast. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Okay, welcome back. Uh, yes, great to be with you. It's Judaism 101.9 and Rabbi Michael Katz here together with you this afternoon, and we're talking about things to do with Purim. We spoke about the Fast of Esther. So the Fast of Esther takes place tomorrow. One of the significant things that many people do on the Fast of Esther, by the way, different from all other fasts, is that in the afternoon before we uh, go into Purim, we do something called Machatzit HaShekel. There are three uh, obligations of giving half shekels which applied in temple times, and most say applies at least in a, a, a semblance of the fashion as it did then, because then it was went straight to the Beit HaMikdash, to the temple, but that we should give three half shekels to charity um, this uh, tomorrow afternoon before we go into uh, Purim itself. And the idea was taking care of our tax obligations, of our um, – spiritual tax, our charity obligations, even before we come to the middle of the month of Adar, because they all fell due, really, when it came to the month of Nisan, which is still a couple of weeks away. So we uh, try and take care of that as well. And hopefully in your shul, there will be a machatzita shekel uh, plate set up. If not, um, at home, give three half amounts. So it's half of a dollar is better in South Africa. We don't actually have that. And yes, some say you can suffice with five rand, although it's um, not really a half. It doesn't sound at a half and so on. But speak to your own rabbi about exactly the way that it should be taken care of. And this, of course, applies to men, really, who do it on behalf of themselves and their family, um, not necessary for each and every individual to do it, and certainly not necessary for uh, younger people to do it. It is really for the member, the, the head of the household kind of thing to do that. Um, and Machatzit HaShekel, the half shekel is given three times um, on Erev Purim. When Purim begins, which is on um, tomorrow evening, Thursday evening, and now it is quite unusual and a little bit different when Purim occurs on a Friday. 
It can occur on a Friday, and it does, of course, Thursday night and Friday. It means that somewhat Purim is shortened a little bit, but it's impacted at the end by Shabbat, by Shabbos. <clears throat> we'll explain at the end how perhaps there is a very, very important significance in that uh, for this year and how Shabbos should add to our Purim rather than detract from it. But here we have the obligation number one that comes up tomorrow evening, and that is to hear the reading of the Megillah. This was something that was an obligation that was instituted in the time of uh, Mordechai and Esther, the obligation for everybody to actually hear the reading of the Megillah. Now, unfortunately, in a day of Zoom and WhatsApps and uh, emails and all sorts of stuff, uh, one would have the tendency to say, well, surely we can do it over Zoom or we could hear it uh, in any other fashion um, by mechanical means and unfortunately that is incorrect. One needs to hear the Megillah read live from uh, the mouth of the person who's reading it. it has to be read from a kosher Megillah and it cannot be done over the telephone, it cannot be done on Zoom, it cannot be done by any um, intermediate um, uh, mechanism at all, even a microphone in the shul is a, is, is a no-no. Um, the Megillah needs to be read and heard. And of course, there are certain restrictions on the numbers of people that can gather for these Megillah readings today. And uh, therefore, one needs to book with your particular shul or there are Megillah readings that are going to be taking place all around town, make sure that you get to one of them or that you book for one of them and make sure that you uh, keep to all the rules and regulations and watch out carefully for the times. Now, each and every individual needs to hear the Megillah read from the beginning to the end. We're not allowed to hear the Megillah read, what they call in Jewish law, le mafreya. You're not allowed to hear it backwards. What does it mean backwards? You can't walk in in the middle, hear the second part, and then come back for the first installment afterwards. The Megillah needs to be read and heard in order. From the beginning to the end, that's the way that the Megillah needs to be heard, and that, that's the way it needs to be read, that's the way it needs to be heard, read from a kosher Megillah, from a scroll, read in the right trop with the right tune and intonation, and making sure that we get the words right, because, you know, there are certain um, uh, things in the Megillah where the word may be written in one certain way, and it's pronounced slightly differently, and there's some words that need to be repeated within the Megillah, and you need to have a balkoira, you need to have a reader of the Megillah who really knows what they're doing. It's not not something that everybody knows. And in fact, the majority of the rules around the reading of the Megillah and the hearing of the Megillah take that into account. We know that there are only a certain number of people who know how to do that. This is not something that every rabbi just automatically knows how to do or everybody who wears a yarmulke and so on. No. The Megillah reading is done by people who are expert at this job. They're trained in doing it. They've got to do it well, and they've got to do it properly, and they've got to make sure that everybody can hear every single word. If there's a noise in shul and you miss out a word, well, you may not have fulfilled the obligation of hearing the Megillah. So there needs to be silence. We need to make sure that when the noises are made, when Homan's name is mentioned um, at those various stages, that people pipe down and that there is silence again for the Megillah reader to be able to continue so that everybody can hear every word without missing a single word in the entire Megillah. So... Megillah needs to be read in the evening of Thursday. Now, it's not good enough to only hear it on Thursday evening. We've got to hear it on Friday during the day as well, preferably in the morning. But if it's not heard in the morning, it can certainly be heard in the afternoon until kind of just before Shabbos. We need to make sure that we hear the Megillah read twice, and everybody should hear it read 
twice, not just once, twice, once in the evening, once in the morning. Those are the rules of Purim, need to hear it in its entirety. doesn't matter if it's done quickly, it needs to be heard and you need to be able to listen to it. It's preferable if you can follow along, but there's no necessity for you to actually look inside a book. You need to just hear it. So this is a time where just hear it actually comes to mind when we're talking about hearing the Megillah. The earliest time that we can start reading the Megillah in Johannesburg has been sent out by the Beth Din, and that is at 10 past 7, 10 past 7 on tomorrow evening. And people are worried about that because they may be fasting, and the fast then should continue until after you've heard the Megillah. So preferable to do it immediately, the reading of the Megillah. But if you're going to be reading later and you uh, cannot fast until later, it is allowed to break your fast beforehand. But there is a little proviso you shouldn't have uh, too much alcohol to drink. You shouldn't become sidetracked and forget to hear the Megillah or fall asleep during the Megillah reading. We need to make sure that we do that all properly. So we need to hear the Megillah read twice, once tomorrow evening and again on Friday during the day. Mitzvah number two that pertains to um, uh, to Purim is the mitzvah that people know about a lot is Mishloach Manot, the giving of food gifts to a friend. Now here the uh, law says, and the Megillah itself tells us this, that we need to give food gifts to a friend. A person, a friend, um, man to man, by the way, it says clearly, and woman to woman, should be given to ready-to-eat foodstuffs of a certain amount. It doesn't have to be that substantial, but it's in enough um, <coughs> that it would cover the uh, minimum requirements. You couldn't get away kind of with uh, a pea and a, and a, and a, and a, and a, and a little sucky sweet. No, they've got to be too ready to eat foodstuffs. There are many who like to make them of different brachot, of different blessings, but not necessary. They can be the same blessing. They can be from the same genre, if you wish, in uh, in foodstuffs. It can be a drink and a food, but it's got to be two things that are ready to go. They could be consumed as they are, and the idea here is bringing people closer together. I'm sharing, I'm caring, I'm giving you uh, something that may seem insignificant, but I'm giving you something um, as an act of kindness, as an act of love from me to you. And this is called Mishloach Manot, the sending of food gifts. It is preferable if these are sent through somebody else. You're including somebody else in that mitzvah, the delivery person. But of course, during these COVID times, it may be difficult and one should be careful with how these things are presented and how they're handed over, of course, and uh, sanitization and all that sort of stuff. So as long as you have given two ready-to-eat foods to one other person, you've done that mitzvah. It's not necessary to give to thousands. It's not necessary to give a number of them. One is significant enough, but there need to be those two foodstuffs. Of course, then, the bigger mitzvah, actually, when it comes to giving on Purim, is the giving of what is known as matanot le'evyonim, matanos le'evyonim, the giving of matanot gifts le'evyonim to poor people. We need to support the poor. Now, here people <coughs> need a reminder of the fact that this is not just plain stocker. You know, we had anything that's given to any Jewish institution, whether it's a school, a yeshiva, a Kadisha, Yad Aron, Chabad, whatever it is, we say, okay, that's stocker, and quite correctly so. Yes, 
qualifies as charity, but they don't all qualify as matanot le'evionim, matonos le'evionim, matonos le'evionim, matanot le'evionim, dafka absolutely has to be given to poor people. So you can give it, yes, an amount allocated to an organization who is giving, distributing to poor people, and you can give one amount on the understanding that they will distribute it to a number of people. Because here with Matanos Levioni, with Matanot Levionim, we should try to give to more than one person. More than one person should benefit from our donation, and we should give two amounts to more than one person. So it would be good if we could give to a couple of organizations that support the poor, but you can suffice with an organization that supports the poor, or if you happen to know, of more than one poor person, more than one poor family, that you can actually um, give them tzedakah. You can give them something on Purim Day that is the, the mitzvah. And it's been um, elaborated upon by our rabbis that this is the mitzvah where we should actually spend the most. You know, a lot of the others, when we think about giving food gifts to our friends, a lot of our friends don't need our food gifts. Um, they're not reliant on them. They're not, it's not going to mean that they'll, that they, 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 that'll be the difference between them having something to eat or not having something to eat. And um, when we talk about the uh, last mitzvah, which we haven't spoken about yet, which is to have a sudat purim, the uh, meal for purim, um, that we have to have, that's all about us. That's all about ourselves and perhaps our immediate families. But when it comes to matonos levionim, matonot levionim, this is something that people rely upon. And in fact, many of the rules of purim, um, hinge around this very fact. In fact, one of the reasons why uh, the, uh, the Talmud gives us a reason why the Megillah should not be read on a Shabbat is because the poor people depend on this day. They, this is their day of earning something. This is their opportunity to put out, stretch out their hand and everybody has got to give. There's an obligation on everybody to give to the poor on this date. And therefore, if it was on a Shabbos and everybody was in shul and they wouldn't give and so on, we would be doing them out of their livelihood one day in the year where they can uh, benefit in a big way. And so therefore, this is really a Powerful mitzvah that needs to be carried out in the best possible way, in the greatest possible way, with the greatest amount that we can possibly do on uh, Purim Day itself. And this should be done, by the way, as well as Mishlach Manot, after we have heard the Megillah for the second time. So this doesn't happen in the evening. It rather should take place in the morning, the morning of Purim, Friday morning, after we've heard the Megillah on Friday. That is when these other mitzvot kick in. That is when they should happen. So, the final mitzvah is the mitzvah of the Sudat Purim, the meal of Purim, which we will deal with when we come back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Yes, of course, on Friday we have Purim and we need to make sure that on Purim we celebrate by eating a festive meal. So aside for the fact that we need to hear the Megillah read evening and morning, Thursday night and Friday, and we need to give Mishloach Manot food gifts on Friday after we have heard the Megillah read in the morning. We also need to give Matanat Le'evionim. We need to give the uh, gifts to the poor and that should be done during the day of Friday. But there is also an obligation for us to eat a festive meal, to eat a meal, like a 
Yom Tif, Shabbos meal that should be eaten on Friday. This is called the Sudat Purim. Now, being that it is Friday and going into Shabbos, it is preferable if one could do this in the morning or at least to start it before midday. However, if that is impossible, um, the Beth then have sent out notices to say that we should um, at the very latest make sure that we start our meal before about 330 um, in Johannesburg on the afternoon of Friday. And that meal should include wine, if possible, and it should include hamotzi, we should wash, and we should eat a substantial meal. And, and this is the reason why we don't want to push it too late, because we still want to make sure that we look forward to and we're going to be able to eat on Shabbos. Friday night is still uh, coming. We don't want to de- degrade Shabbos in any way. On the contrary, what we've got to try and do perhaps is to see to it that Shabbos actually enhances Purim instead of it being cut short, that it's an extension. So we could have and we need to have a very festive kind of a Shabbos. Remember that uh, very often there was something called Shushan Purim. It was the extra day um, of Purim that was allowed in Shushan and celebrated in uh, Jerusalem on the uh, second day, so to speak, of Purim. So it would be um, on Shabbos this year, however, being that it is a Friday, the Megillah and all the uh, mitzvahs of Purim actually are done around the world, even in Jerusalem. They're performed on Friday this year rather than on Shabbat. But Shabbat itself is still in the shadow of Purim. It's still um, <coughs> Shushan Purim, um, at least in a date and so on, and we therefore should still celebrate on Shabbos, taking Purim and carrying all its messages forward into this coming Shabbat as well. Now, we've got to remember that there is something very, very significant, and this is the link perhaps between Shabbos, um, I hope, and um, Purim itself. At the end of the Megillah, there is a very, very interesting statement, which we repeat every Shabbos, at the end of Shabbos, where we say um, Havdala, we say La Yehudim Hayata Ora V'Simcha V'Sasson V'Yikar La Yehudim Hayata V'Simcha V'Sasson V'Yikar That the Jewish people had Ora Simcha, Sasson and Yikar. Ora is light. Simcha, we know what Simcha is. Please God, we should always know what Simcha is. Joy, celebration. Sasson, great celebration. And Yakar is like endearment, like, you know, that you would write to somebody, my friend, hi Yakar, my dear. It's a term of endearment. So we've got these four things. What are they? Sages tell us that in fact, these were four, they stand for four things, that Oira zu Torah, that Ora means Torah. That when we talk about Simcha, zu Yomtev, this is Yomtev. And when we talk about um, Sason, that, that is Bris Mila. The bris, circumcision. And when we talk about yakar, that this is tefillin. And that in fact, Homon and his ilk despised these four things most of all. They did not want the Jewish people to stick out. They didn't want them to be different. They said, why is it that the Jewish people have to have a set of rules, a rule book that's different from ours? Let them just follow the constitution of Shushan, the constitution of Persia. Just let them follow the king's orders. They don't need to have their own uh, their own script and their own uh, laws and so on. Secondly, let them just follow our ways, our holidays. Our public holidays are good enough. Why do you have to have Jewish holidays? They uh, didn't want that either. And they said, why did the Jewish people have to make themselves look different? Let them look like everybody else. And one of the things that they didn't like 
was the concept of the bris, of circumcision. Let them just be like any other Persian. And then finally, um, they despised the fact that tefillin were worn. Remember, in the olden times, people used to wear tefillin all the time, that they wore the sign upon themselves in public places. And when they walked out and when they went to the stores and the business and so on, that um, Jews were wearing tefillin. So they despised these things. Haman fought against those things. He tried to stamp them out. These were the four things that are the most predominant that we regained with the uh, miracles of Purim. This is what we celebrate. We got them back and we got them back in all their glory. And we need to somehow accentuate um, in the, uh, the midst of Purim and in the uh, aftermath of Purim. We need to accentuate Torah, Torah learning. We need to accentuate Simcha, joy in our Yomim Tovim, our festivals. We need to accentuate Brismillah. The concept of how we have a covenant with God that is unbreakable, that is um, un, unchangeable, and that finally our tefillin and all the mitzvahs that are similar to it are uh, observed to the fullest degree. Be back with you to sum up right after this. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, it's Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz, but great to be with you. And we just want to uh, reiterate that this Purim, we need to be careful. We need to make sure that we are careful in our observance of the mitzvahs and that we're careful in terms of the protocols and in terms of the pandemic and in terms of the community and people out there and the wider um, um, uh, community of our entire country. We've got to be very, very careful. So the suggestion that has been made by the rabbis, by the uh, Beth Din, by the uh, people um, of the caliber of Hatzalah and our um, great advisors um, in the medical field and so on, we need to make sure that when it comes to things like a Purim Su'uda, a meal, that it's not held publicly, that we do not have guests over, that we don't have it interfamily, but that we rather keep to what they're calling the nuclear family, keep the people who are actually um, all the time anyways living under your roof. Uh, that's where you and with whom you have your Purim Suda. If it's only one or two people, unfortunately, so be it for this year. That is what it needs to be because this is a Purim that is very, very different. This is a Purim that we need to celebrate properly and correctly. But one of the things that we have to be so, so careful of is that we are taking into account other people. We are caring about others. Remember, a big, big emphasis of Purim is sharing with others, is caring about others, is giving to others. We need to make sure that we really care. We need to make sure that we really are sincere in our approach to Purim this year. Don't endanger anybody else. Don't um, put anybody else in jeopardy. Don't flaunt the protocols. Don't go against the rules. Don't make sure, don't, don't think, well, you know what? It's not going to happen to me or it can't happen in this environment or it's just this one. Or it's just that one or I'm just taking off my mask and eating with so and so and this and, and that person or whatever because kind of I usually do or I have nowhere else to go. No. In fact, let's make sure that we keep our Separateness, as difficult as it is and as harsh as it is and as tough as it is and it's tough on us all. Let's make sure that we keep to it because in the long term, we will not only have back or have a simcha, but hopefully very, very soon. 
we'll be able to see the geula shleima, the complete redemption, where there'll be no more pandemics, where there'll be no more pain and suffering, where there will be the unity um, that we are desperate for between all Jews everywhere, between a, a whole world in an atmosphere of shalom, of absolute peace. I want to wish you all a great fast tomorrow, a wonderful Purim on Thursday night and Friday, and a fantastic Shabbat coming up ahead. I look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.